The Old Testament lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. This can be found on page 1 of your Pew Bible. The opening verses of the entire biblical narrative not only tell us that the world was created by God, it reveals to us who God is and his purposes for all that he has made. A reading from Genesis chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Over the last three years as a church, we have studied the entire Bible, starting with Genesis, the Torah, the writings, and the prophets, leading into the New Testament, the Gospels and the Epistles, even the apocalyptic literature. 
As you know, over the last four Sundays, we read the book of Revelation, how it all ends. And as we were heading towards September of this year, we pastors had a discussion, we had a decision to make. Are we going to start it all over again? Are we going to do this three-year chronological study of the Bible all over again? After all, there's other churches out there preaching on the topics. There's a lot of popular topics, a lot of things for people to grapple with out there. There's popular churches preaching on the popular topics, but we decided we're the unpopular kids. (laughs) And we're going to go back to the Bible. Of course, it was an easy decision for us. Why? Why do we go back to the Bible? Why do we run back to this source? Why do we read it over and over again? Well, we get some help answering that question from the word itself, Ephesians 4, verse 14. Why do we read the Bible? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Does anybody feel tossed to and fro these days? I do. So we go to the Bible because of what it says about itself in Isaiah 40. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. In a world where we are being tossed to and fro by the waves of culture, we go back to the Bible, this thing that will stand the test of time. It stands Forever, So we run to it to find that grand uniting narrative. See, when we are tossed to and fro by all the things going on in culture, we all end up with our own narratives. You speak your truth. I speak my truth. And we become a splintered and fractured society. It's one of the reasons we are tossed to and fro so much. But we come back to this word that stands the test of time for a grand, sweeping, uniting narrative. A narrative that if we all believe it and live in it, we are all on the same page. What is that grand sweeping uniting narrative? It can be described in four chapters, really. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, we're going to be looking at creation for the first three Sundays of this series. When God created the heavens and the earth. Fall, well, we all know how that went. We're still living in the impact of that sin, the rebellion of creation against the creator. Redemption, God's plan to come and redeem God's people by sending Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our rebellion against the creator. Restoration, when God comes and makes all things new once again. Some believe that that restoration begins only at the end times when Jesus comes back again, but we'll see in the New Testament that restoration begins with us. We are part of the restoration project. So this is the grand, sweeping, uniting narrative that we run to in Scripture. Not only do we read Scripture for these reasons, but we also need Scripture, we need the Bible to read us. Listen again to what the Bible says about itself in Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
we need to read the Bible for this uniting narrative, but we need the Bible to read us. Why is there so much splintering and fracturing in our society? Why are we tossed to and fro so much? It's because of the intentions of the human heart, which are corrupt, as we'll see in the narrative. We need the Bible to help us discover not only who God is and what his uniting narrative is, but who we are as well. So we're going back to the Bible. Another three-year chronological study of this book. We need it. We need to read it, and we need it to read us. And when we do so, all the things that toss us to and fro, all the things that are happening in our world, even the most dramatic ones, they all make sense in the grand sweeping uniting narrative of God. So let's go back to it, shall we? The first page, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, page 1 on your Bible. Let's read it together. Let's meditate on this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you're looking at your watch, wondering how I'm going to preach on the next 25 verses, (laughs) you can relax. We're only going to look at this one sentence today. I couldn't get any further as I studied for this sermon than this one beginning profound sentence. What does it mean? In the beginning. In the beginning. I've noticed that it's right here where a lot of people get very distracted. In the beginning, what? In the beginning, how? How did it work? What are the mechanics of how the creation happened? In the beginning, really specifically, what we want to know is when. Was this 6,000 years ago? Were these 24-hour days? Or was this 15 billion years ago? And there's all this debate and there's all this arguing and we get all twisted up the flagpole because we want to know in the beginning, when did this take place? But what and how and when aren't really what this sentence sets out to answer. No, it's who Genesis 1 is a chapter about who, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. There's a divine being. There is a personality there at the beginning, which indicates to us that this whole thing is going to be about relationship. Pay attention over the next three years to relationship. What kind of relationship is God pursuing with his creation? It begins right here in the first sentence, in the beginning, God. I was reading a thing or two this past week from astronomers and astrophysicists about what they think was happening there at the beginning. And I was led back to this personality, this divine being, God, the astronomers and the astrophysicists have general consensus these days that the universe did have a beginning. There was a theory presented in the early 1980s by Stephen Hawking that the universe had no beginning at all. It's called the no boundary theory. And uh, astronomers debated it for many years, but In the recent decades, more and more of them are coming around to consensus that there was, in fact, a beginning of the whole universe. 
They don't necessarily know how it began. Some believe that there was another universe that birthed our universe, but that still doesn't answer the question of how did that one begin. And so there's this phrase that a lot of astrophysicists use to describe what was there before the beginning. And the phrase that they've come to use is causal agent. Causal agent. I think some astronomers believe that that is the God we believe in. Others believe it's just a placeholder, not knowing what could have possibly caused the creation of the whole universe. Causal agent is that placeholder. But just consider for a moment, perhaps that's you, perhaps that's someone in your family, someone in your life who believes that the universe did have a beginning, but causal agent is the source, is the cause of the beginning. Just consider for a moment that that causal agent is the very same God of the Bible. I'm reminded what the Apostle Paul said when he got to a city called Athens, and he noticed all the philosophers sitting around discussing how to figure out the universe. And he said this in Acts chapter 17. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, to the causal agent. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. And he goes on to make his argument from there. Could it be, just consider it for a moment, could it be that causal agent is the God of the Bible? That's the claim here on the first sentence of all of Scripture in the beginning. God. That's how it all begins. And did you notice in Pastor David's sermon last week when he was describing from Revelation 22 how it all ends? He was making claims from Scripture, like in the end, God has a plan. In the end, God has a promise. Listen to that language. In the end, God. In the end, God. In the beginning, God. And in the end, God. That's how this story goes, the story of the whole universe. We go from God to God, which means that everything that happens in the middle, everything on the timeline of history, happens under the sovereign hand of God. And you might be wondering, well, if that's true, why is there so much godlessness in our world? Stay tuned. <laughs> that gets answered. Keep coming back for the next three years. There's much more to this story. That's right. 156 Sundays. But we're not done with this first sentence yet. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. What does that mean? You know, the story could have gone any way. It could have said, in the beginning, God discovered the universe. Could have said, in the beginning, God fought another God and won the universe as his prize. No, it says, in the beginning, God created. You can learn a lot about a creator by looking at what they've created. 
I'll give you an example. My daughter, Evangeline, she's 11 years old. Many of you have met her. Lots of people have met her. Usually when people meet her, they meet her out in public. Nancy and I bring the kids out to various things. And when many of you have met Eva, you think that she's very quiet. You think she's very silent. She kind of sticks right by daddy or right by mommy when we're out in public. And if you greet her, you might get a one-word answer out of her or a grunt perhaps, maybe a little smile. You think that she's pretty quiet because when she's out in public meeting people, that's how she is. But when she's home, she is not quiet, is she, Nance? This girl sings from morning until evening, every day, all day. Disney musicals, often, but most often it's praise songs. If the praise band sings it here on Sunday, I hear it all week at home. (laughs) Nancy and I joke that you never have to wonder if Eva is in the house, because you can hear her. Even if she's she's outside, you can hear her making all this noise. It's beautiful. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Her middle name is Joy. She's living into the meaning of her name, whether we like it or not. The girl sings. She also paints. Here's one of her pieces. This hangs above the kitchen sink in our home. She painted this a few years ago. She paints almost every day, and then she cuts it out and scotch tapes it all over the house. She paints nature mostly. She paints all kinds of things. Now, if you met Eva out in public and you got a one-word answer out of her, you would have thought that she's quiet. But now you know more about her. Now you know how loud she is. She sings and she paints. You can learn a lot about a creator when you behold what they have created. You know, a lot of people think that God is silent. But look outside. Look at our creation. The God who created the whole universe is singing the creation song. Our God is loud. The heavens declare the glory of God. In the beginning, God created. You can learn a lot about the creator by looking at what has been created. I can think of at least two things that we learn about God when we look at creation. The first one is that God is bigger than we can imagine. God is bigger than we can imagine. Can you imagine how large the universe is? I can't. My brain collapses when I try to think even beyond our solar system. If the God you believe in is not bigger than the whole universe... It's not the God of the Bible you believe in. Our God is also beautiful. This is a deep space image from the Hubble Space Telescope. People call this the Eagle Nebula or the Pillars of Creation. And when I look at these works of God's hands, I'm just led to awe and worship. It's so beautiful. Here's an idea. 
instead of watching cable news tonight, look up the Hubble Space Telescope images and let your jaw drop at the beauty of God. Our God is unimaginably vast, and our God is unspeakably beautiful. And yet he has also made himself small enough to be known by us. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. Stay tuned, there's more. Keep coming back for the next three years to hear all about that. We're not quite done with this first sentence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. What does that mean? What does that include? Everything. Everything. In the beginning, God, and in the end, God. And in the whole universe, God. Everything that happens in the entire universe is under his sovereignty. He is sovereign over all of it because he created it. The heavens, the universe, and our earth. And this brings us back to one thing that we need from scripture, why we're coming back to it, why we're studying it again for the next three years. We need a grand, sweeping, uniting narrative of all things so that we're not tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves of our culture. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. We find our place We find ourselves on a place in this timeline. And when we know that, when we understand that, when we read the scriptures from beginning to end, everything makes sense. Everything falls into place. We have hope, not despair. Because we know that in the end, God. We know that everything in between the timeline of the universe has God's sovereign hand over it. And it helps us make sense of all things. Are you feeling tossed to and fro? I am. So what we need is a great, big, beautiful God. What we need is the God of the Bible. So keep coming back. Stay tuned. I'll see you next Sunday.